All right, so we have another another ticker uh, lawyer. Are you there? Yeah. Yeah, I was going through the agenda. So we have the ticker for Invesco and Galaxy HQ spot Bitcoin ETFs. BTCO has appeared on, on the DTCC website. It's like everyone's obsessing over that DTC, DTCC website. We'll probably, we'll probably find out later that it's always been there. Uh, same. Scott, hold on. Wasn't wasn't the story before that? What what did it end up to be the facts? Because BlackRock's ETF that was... it had been there since August. Yeah, I mean, it was like this breaking news in crypto that uh, that IBTC had been uh, listed. That BlackRock was up on the DTCC website, and then the, it crashed the website when everyone said that it had disappeared, and then it, they weren't sure if it had come back. The website came back. It wasn't there, and then it was there, and then everyone realized it had basically just been there since August. So it's actually, that's the cool conclusion. Story. It actually has been through August. That wasn't, that yeah, was it's been a, there since August. Yeah, ah, it's cool. been there since August. Who, who reported that it's up on the DTC website? Is it Cointelegraph? Or? I, I don't remember who it was. Yeah, this is actual news. I mean, it would, um, you know, you'd sell it probably. This is everything. Everything can pump this market. People are very excited. You should, Scott. You should tweet it out. I think I'm having some sound issues. I can't hear Mark. Oh, it's muting for some reason. Now it's back. Can you hear me now? Okay. I was just saying. I was saying you should you should tweet something and just say it's up on the DTCC website. the The crypto town hall ticker for the for our ETF is up, and we'll start our own bull run. Yeah, CTBTC. It's gonna be great. I think Ryan is here. I'm not sure if he can hear us. All right, man. I think we could we can kick off the show. The markets look pretty much steady. Your thoughts? Actually, I've never. I was. I came late to the show. What? What? What's your thought on the on the pump we saw? Sustainable, go back to new lows. How's the chart look? How's your sentiment? I, I think sustainable. Oh wow! I mean, my sentiment is. I mean, but I think uh, you know, with Bitcoin, I think that uh, definitely looks sustainable. I mean, even rationally, as you kind of view what's been happening with the price action, it just doesn't seem like there's any major sellers in the market. I mean, I do think we'll see retraces, but when Bitcoin goes up like this, it tends to uh, bounce higher than people are expecting and really leave them behind on the sidelines. You're always waiting for that retest of a key level. But I mean, you know, we, we were kind of screaming about 25K even after the drop from 31 being kind of a great opportunity potentially. And, and that, that played out. I think that though, you know, uh, I think there's a lot to like here with Bitcoin right now. Uh, it's really crazy when you kind of zoom out and think about it, forget even the chart or, or how you feel. I mean, we have what Larry Fink, Stanley Druckenmiller, uh, L. Arian, Paul Tudor Jones, all in the last 10 to, to 10 days to two weeks, calling Bitcoin either a flight to quality or saying it should be a part of their portfolio. Druckenmiller literally kind of FOMOing and saying, I wish I owned it. I, I don't. I mean, uh, to, to him, I say, I, I don't know, just buy some. Seems easy. Um, and then El Arian coming out and saying he liked a barbell strategy of cash and Bitcoin just two days ago or yesterday. I mean, these, these are like, you know, these are the most respected institutional investors, legends, and every single one of them is talking about Bitcoin here again, right? And I just think that um, you can ignore largely what's happening elsewhere. I've always thought that. And just, uh, you know, add a bit of this to your portfolio. I don't think the price really matters. I think that uh, everybody agrees that with time, it's somewhat inevitable. Christian, where do you stand on this? Christian, you there? Hi, guys. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I agree. <clears throat> um, well, I, I think, I mean, what you read about it, and I try to not read too much online because there's so much fake news on it, as we saw last time with the whole ETF news coming out. But I, I think you read so much about the, the, the ETF that that's really the main thing that's driving it. But the other thing that I saw now is that the uh, RSI is, uh, has crossed above 70, which is normally uh, indicated at its um, start of a bull run, I, exp- I, I, I think it means. Um, and um, it's uh, it's an interesting thought to see that uh, anticipation to news that is coming might be the trigger for something like this. Anticipation to news that is coming. So this is all just speculating what's what's there to come. What about the the, the narrative that Rand was talking about earlier? Is like the market will not. So Scott, do you remember when Rand was saying this? And I think you agreed with him. It's like the market would not react to news and then suddenly just blow up. 
because of all the good news that we've seen over the last few months. But however, you're saying now the market is starting to react more. If we see more positive news, we have a different market to what we had what, a month or two ago. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, what I'll tell you is that, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, we, we've seen the market react massively to two fake news stories over the past few weeks. Right? So now <laughs> that that news was real. Yeah, no, exactly. That, that's that's what I mean. Like, there's so much speculation on what the news is going to be because we all expect that that ETF approval and that just different ETFs going to be approved and stuff. But it's all still just speculation and FOMO for them. The news might hit any day now. I don't want to miss out. Um, but there is not really news, right? It's all speculation on what the news might become. Uh, and I think that's that's interesting to see, especially when when. Uh, you, no, now for the, I believe at the, the 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 that RSI and I'm not super familiar with this, but I believe they look at like a 14 week average on 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 how strong uh, uh, price movements are, and that due to this news, it's for the first time since 2020 that it hit this uh, this level again above 70. That overbought, uh, yeah, overbought. And and I've pointed out that uh, you know a lot of people obviously with RSI, if you overbought as a likely top, that can be true sort of on shorter time frames. But to Christian's point, when you look at it on a time frame like the weekly, when it hit overbought, the time he's talking about prices at twelve thousand and it pushed to sixty nine thousand or sixty five thousand while still overbought from that point, right? So that was basically a five x while hitting it. So it's considered sort of the power zone at this point for, for, for pushing if you're looking technically. Hey, Matthew Siegel, I see you in the audience. We we're trying to bring you up, but if you request, maybe we'll be able to get you get you, get you up here. Uh, Lawyer, you had your hand up. Yeah, I, I can't help but wonder, um, with this being such a foregone conclusion, like, wouldn't it be priced in quite a bit? Um, and when the actual news comes, I wonder if there'll be a bit of a sell-off. My 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 comment on that has consistently been buy buy the rumor, buy the news dip. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't want to short an ETF approval or view that as an opportunity to necessarily sell my Bitcoin, oh, no, but perhaps you do get a an event. Is it? Actually, I've got a question. It might might be a silly question to you guys, but not to me because I'm not too deep in that world. When it comes to an ETF approval, is there? So remember when we the, the when the ETF whatever I thought it was approved earlier. The market reacted very positively on the Coin Telegraph news because the 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 fact that it was approved so early means it meant it was it meant it was more bullish. So is it is there a difference in terms of how positive something is based on when it gets approved or which ETF gets approved first, or it doesn't really matter when or which one? They're all the same. Anyone? I would uh, say that to Matthew. Uh, Matthew, I would love to know your answer on that. Obviously, since you're at that. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Um, uh, I just want to point out one statistic, which is um, in the last four weeks, there's been about $420 million of flows into Bitcoin ETFs, uh, whether that's the spot products in Europe, Canada, or the futures products in the US, that's 400 million. The total year-to-date number is 600 million. So two-thirds of that coming in the last month uh, I don't think it matters uh, which product gets approved. I think that that's the catalyst for uh, additional flows into the space because of the regulatory certainty it, it provides. Um, I, I also think that it, it appears as if many of these products may go effective at, at the same time, at least if the SEC is following their ETH futures roadmap uh, and why wouldn't they be uh, the potential government shutdown on November 17th also uh, throws a wrinkle into this uh, if you recall ahead of the ETH futures approvals uh, the SEC was clearly kind of hurrying up the paper pushing uh, trying to get those products uh, in line uh, before the potential shutdown so I don't have any edge on on, on when the timing uh, is likely to be uh, but just want to highlight uh, that November 17th issue. And you've mentioned three things. You've got obviously the 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 Fed, whether they're going to pause or not. You've got the uh, the government shutdown. You've got the ETF. How if you had to rate each one of them out of ten, Matthew, one to ten, ten being that it's going to have the most impact, one the least impact on the market in in terms of importance. How would you rate each one? Uh, ETF approval is an eight. Uh, e e e 
government shutdown, I, I don't think is necessarily a catalyst and until like some type of funding agreement was signed. And, you know, when you get the, oh, tr another $2 trillion deficit next year, you know, that's probably a, a five or a six uh, for Bitcoin. What was the third? The third one is the Fed. Uh, uh, it, I think that's a, that's an eight or a nine. Okay. Interesting. So you think that the, the, the Fed not going as we like could could um, could kind of discount any impact that we have from the ETF in terms of the approval. Like if credit is still bad and the Fed is still a hawkish moving forward over the next few yeah, months. Yeah, it's like what Even price does that happen at though, right? Like is the Fed going gonna, to uh, gonna pivot with the S&P where it is now or is it going to pivot when S&P is 10% lower? And if the S&P is 10% lower, then where's Bitcoin? It, 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 it kind of depends on what are the factors that lead to a cut or a pause. But we, you know, we can see the charts floating around uh, M2 correlation with Bitcoin is, is very high. Okay. And then if you look at the rest of the market, Scott, jump in when you like. I know I get greedy sometimes with asking questions. But Matthew, when you look at the rest of the market, um, how do you think the rest of the market will react if we keep seeing the upward momentum, if we see the ETF go the way we expect, the Fed's? Yeah, let's say it's it, uh, hawkish for a bit more, starts to pause. If everything goes as expected, there's no government shutdown. Um, how do you see the crypto market over the next 12 months and then the rest of the market as well? When will the, 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 the capital flow into alts? Yeah, I, I still think the risk reward is that Bitcoin dominance is going to rise into and after the halving. Uh, that's the historical analog. Like this is a, an asset class which requires inflows uh, just to keep the prices flat. Uh, and the ETF approval is an obvious catalyst for those inflows. Uh, so until we get that more explicit Fed pivot, uh, you know, I, I would, I'm, you know, reasonably cautious on risk assets overall, observe the, the relatively high correlation over the last couple of years that Bitcoin has had with risk assets uh, and assume that, you know, crypto might be weak if, if the macro is weak, but that with these Bitcoin specific catalysts, um, Bitcoin dominance can rise. There's also, you know, the ETH BTC ratio just broke below the three hours capital low. Um, there's not too much support here at, at, at current levels. And there's a bit of a negative ETH narrative, um, you know, in the market around the scaling roadmap. Um, you know, we think that that will sort itself out. Uh, but uh, if you go back to, again, 2019, um, Bitcoin dominance, you know, rose in the second half of the year. Uh, it rose even after the halving. And then it, the full like power of the bull market wasn't unleashed until ETH dominance started to rise. And, and that's the time uh, when we get more constructive on on alt. Uh, although, you know, there's always some exceptions. Um, Solana is up 100% this month. Uh, you might have noticed Vanek just uh, put out a research piece uh, last week with, with a $300 price target where we uh, modeled a scenario in which uh, Solana is the first blockchain to uh, host an application with 100 million users. And and we've been really impressed with the, the technical roadmap and, and execution from from that project. So, um, that, you know, there are there are some winners, but broadly speaking, I expect BTC dominance to rise uh, and the miners. Um, it, we, we can see really a big divergence in the miners. We can get into that. But the, the low cost guys are definitely outperforming here ahead of the halving. Yeah, Mario Solana just actually broke $40 sort of as we're speaking here. And that officially broke the high price right before the FTX collapse. So it's effectively erased SBF uh, from the planet, which is what we're all looking to do here anyways. Holy but yeah, shit. Solana, absolutely. And, and uh, to, you know, to echo, obviously, what Matt said, we effectively did a whole Solana show yesterday. Ran was reporting live from Breakpoint uh, in the Netherlands and... He was really, really excited. And some of the people I respect the most have been sort of beating the, the drum on Solana here for, for a while, largely because of the fundamental reasons, Fire Dancer and, and everything that's coming with that protocol, which echoes again what Matt just said. So I think there's a lot to like there. Mario, you still don't, don't know if we lost yeah. you, but uh, yeah. No, I, I cut out. Yeah, I cut out. I keep cutting out. But I saw Solana. I was just looking at the chart. I had no idea, man, because of this war and shit. I'm not even keeping track. So that started. I mean, this thing, that started. This thing in, went in, back down to eight bucks. It was eight. Yeah, that's crazy, that's man. It, it doubled almost. It doubled since. Uh, what is it? Is it October? 
since last month. That doubled since last month. Yeah, That's in two weeks, uh, two and, and a half weeks. Insane. So I think it was, yeah, I think it was trading on like October 12th around 20 bucks. But yeah, what triggered, what changed so much? Is that the hype behind uh, what exactly? I, I mean, I think that there's, uh, I mean, Matthew, I think just laid it out, but I think there's some actual fundamental improvements. Obviously, people will disagree uh, emotionally whether uh, those chains count. Uh, but, you know, with Fire Dancer, the ability to do just mind blowing amounts of transactions per second, the amount of developer activity, the amount of, I guess, hype surrounding it. I think that there's a, uh, a belief that Solana could kind of be the base chain narrative of this next cycle you know like kind of everything was built on eth in past cycles and maybe in this cycle it's going to be what's being built on solana Rand laid out some pretty uh, yeah i was gonna ask you what did actually, what did Ryan, yeah, and, yeah what did Ryan say Raul, yesterday yeah and, and raul paul had done the same uh I, I i had him on my podcast on sunday and he went through these sort of numbers of how just in fact how cheap it is to for example mint nfts on solana you know, it was, I don't want to quote the numbers, there's like 10,000 NFTs for, you know, 15 bucks. And then you looked at Ethereum and it was a few hundred bucks. You looked at Ethereum layer two and maybe it was 40 or 50. But when you get up to minting a million NFTs or something like that, it was just a couple hundred bucks now on Solana. And it was thousands of dollars, you know, on um, a Matic or a layer two. And it was literally millions of dollars on Ethereum. So I, I think that there's a lot of people to what Rand was saying, that want to build on a layer one, they don't want to deal with layer twos and bridging, and they're not going to focus on Ethereum when it's cost prohibitive or, or there's reasons not to do it. I mean, we have a lot of speakers here who can probably speak to this more clearly than I am, but that was the general. I, 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 sort I, I of brought up. I brought up. Scott, I brought up. I brought up a Chris. Uh, he said, uh, uh, "Sorry, interrupt." But he said, "Like, if we have anyone else, Chris, Chris was there." Yeah. yeah, exactly. He was there when Solana was getting shot on, and he was one of the few defending it in the midst of the hate. Um, Chris, uh, can can you first give us your thoughts on everything that Scott said? And uh, first, welcome back. Um, uh, you know, welcome back to life. Uh, how's adoption like? Is it still gaming? Play, gaming projects launching on Solana. Um, give us a bit more insight uh, behind the scenes on the developer side. Am I coming through clearly, by the way? Because I'm in a vehicle. Yes. All right, yes, sick. So it's I'm called in a car, not vehicle, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'll make it to Cybertruck. No, not really. That'd be sick, huh? Uh, so I'll be real quick about Solana and some of the things that are probably making the larger buyers uh, more bullish right now. A couple of things that Solana struggled with was for Sam Bankman Freed, right? Which the world has kind of discovered the truth about all of that. And that's really helped us getting out from underneath that rug. But it, at Amsterdam, they recently showed off a few pieces of technology, one of them being the Fire Dancer um, technology, which is a new way for node validators to process transactions on Solana. Right now, it costs like three grand to build a computer that can run a Solana node efficiently for like a year or two uh, with current hardware. However, with the Fire Dancer update and the partnership with Google Cloud, AWS, uh, it'll make it to where for like $30 a month, you could afford to run a Solana node. And this also helps us protect the network as we scale in transactions. And Fire Dancer is able to handle one, mi and this is not bullshit, one million TPS on testnet. So if we fracture that down 90% and we talk about what it would look like if on mainnet, 10% of that power existed, that would be 100,000 TPS. And to somebody's point recently who said they think that Solana could be the first blockchain to host an application with 100 million users, well, this is possible with FireDancer. Because on Testnet, FireDancer does 86 billion transactions a day confirmed. If we get 10% of that on mainnet, we would be able to confirm 8 billion transactions a day that's enough for every human on the planet Earth to have one transaction confirmed per day on Solana blockchain, dude. It's absolutely unbelievable, Mario. And with the cloud-based services now active, the Solana Foundation could divide some of their their treasury up a bunch of like uh, amongst a bunch of nodes, so that if we ever have a massive uptick or an attempted botting attack, which happened ten or twelve months ago and, and hurt the network's TPS dramatically. Well, we could spin up nodes on command that would be able to process those additional transactions. And the last thing I would like to say for the haters who go, won't Solana turn off? 
The last time that happened where we reset the nodes was because 4 million TPS was ingested by a node for a mint and it passed the transactions off to other nodes, crashing them in succession. You just heard what I said about Fire Dancer. Even if it's at 10% capacity on mainnet, we could handle 4 million TPS in 40 seconds. Unbelievable, Mario. It's the first blockchain infrastructure that can scale into Web2 applications. Scott, this guy, this guy is uh, pretty damn he's good really at getting excited. excited. He's really yeah, excited. He's really yeah excited. I can see. Do you buy a chance, uh, If you open a used car lot, I will literally buy a piece of shit from you. I'm oh, buying right. Solana right now. I'm paying it at the peak say. right now. I'm leveraging this Let's purchase. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to leverage Scott. I've never leveraged in my life, but I'm, I'm just being sarcastic just for the audience. Um, go to Thomas. Go ahead, man. Oh, hey, thanks, guys. Uh, just from the perspective of, like, I guess, FTX being such a large, I don't want to call them bag holder, we like the project. Um, it's great to hear all that stuff, so thanks for sharing. You know, if if the this is a huge asset for the estate, most of it's locked. And they signed a deal with Genesis to help manage the, uh, you know, the crypto. Um, and so when you think through that, uh, I mean, they could have maybe sold or hedged some of it. Most of it's locked, so I doubt it. Most, a lot of it, I think, is being staked is what I'm hearing. And I think they even kind of, you could see that kind of action, I guess, either on or off chain or whatnot. Um, the other thing is, uh, so if you think about it, it's 56 million tokens. Um, so you're talking about an asset that's now $2.2 billion-ish. I mean, to the point where FTX, given all the other good news, is pushing towards 100% repay, the, the whole clawback discussion around customers would totally fall by the wayside. You can't have clawbacks and 100% repay scenario so solana could end up anthropic and solana could end up saving the entire estate from clawbacks including you think the knock-on effects of like a binance like binance's was bought out in 2021 for what 2.1 billion or something and there's a potential of bringing a cause of action there but if it's 100% repay case you can't bring those causes of action so it would be also a big boon for uh for uh, CZ, so maybe he should be pump, pump, pumping up the uh, Solana bag. Uh, but it is interesting to think through those implications of Solana now breaking 40. If it goes 40, 50, 60, you could be looking at well over 100% repay case to Solana creditors, and those would be the knock-on effects. I really wish Voyager had been heavily invested in Solana, Thomas. Well, I think and Voyager now. has a claim against FTX, so once the customers are made full, uh, they would start uh, be looking for their own recovery. So it could end up flowing through the other estates as well. Yeah, FTX, is, it's pretty incredible how the creditors are seeing the benefit of sort of the delay, right? <laughs> because uh, the ones that move faster were selling their assets into a much more aggressive bear market. And now, you know, if things continue up to your point, it could, it could make everybody whole in these other, in these other cases, in these other uh, bankruptcies, which is pretty incredible. Because you and I, I'd like to say quite, quite, I was going to say yesterday there was 1.6 or maybe it was two days ago, or like 36 hours, something like that. 1.6 million soul was unlocked by FTX and price went up like 12% because motherfuckers are just buying it at this point. At the, look, it's nickels and dimes compared to entities. Like mm. we've got BlackRock trying to file for this ETF. Right. And think about what their company is in like, retrospect to all these other like companies how many assets they have under control so people who've got billions or you know uh hundreds of millions even buying a few thousand soul that's a pretty safe investment for them right here versus like because think about you get 1500 soul for the price of like two bitcoin right or, or 1600 soul for the price of two bitcoin. yeah how is that relevant you can buy fractionalized bitcoin that makes no sense i'm sorry no, I'm just saying that people who are buying, who have invested in cryptocurrencies like ETH and Bitcoin, it would make sense if they took a very small fraction and decided to buy into Solana when there's... But that's... Uh, but that's, that but that's yeah, when they, start, say this, when they the, start the, thinking that, that's the top. 
That's the that's the yeah actually yeah, 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 I'd yeah, say, yeah I'd say I'd say as soon as like yeah, people will have to be able to take out some of their Bitcoin and put it into their Solana. I'm like all right, cool. I'm crossing. Let me go. Hold on. Let me go sell my leverage Solanas. Give me two seconds, Chris Scott. You take over. I gotta sell my leverage Solana that I bought two. Yeah, days he's ago. now sorted it with uh, <laughs> yeah. four How yeah? Can you teach me how to short Scott, please, if you don't mind? <laughs> I'll just, I'll also just a um, top signal, by the way. <laughs> when, uh, yeah, when when someone who says he's joking, obviously, someone says, "Teach me how to short." Oh my god. Yeah. Um, maybe that's um, actually bottom. It's going to just rock. Do you mind if I ask quickly for the latest with it, with FTX? Obviously, I haven't been keeping up, so it's kind of a recap. And the audience, I don't know if the audience might like it, but I'm curious. I think what's Thomas, the latest with Sam? Thomas, can you do that? Yeah, Thomas, can you do that? Say, what was the question? What's the latest with FTX? Uh, gosh, um, the claims market or the bankruptcy estate? I mean, not a lot has changed in the bankruptcy estate. I mean, they did, of course, put out the term sheet. And there's a lot of like little tertiary issues that need to be settled on. Like how do you value crypto at the date of the petition? Like whose numbers using, using corn gecko, corn market cap, what's the index for prices? What about Tron and the Tron prices on, on FTX were five X what they were in the general market. How are you going to settle that? Um, in terms of clawbacks, how do you actually calculate the prices? Cause it's supposed to be based on when the, tra- like when the transfers happen, how you got to dollarize those. So there are a lot of little tertiary issues that I know are being worked through. Um, KYC AML issues, like a lot of creditors are having those issues. And I know the estate on uh, ad hoc and the UCC are trying to figure out how to how to come up with a compromise. And like, we want to have some KYC AML. So we're not like, oh gosh, hot topic, funding terrorists. But, you know, there's no real requirement of the bankruptcy code for there to be like KYC AML. So it's kind of like a tricky issue. Um Mm. But not too many updates. I do. Uh, actually, I've got an update, Scott. I don't know if you guys know this. I didn't know. A few people sent it to me. Then I realized. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if Rand is here because I think Rand was with me when that happened. Not sure who asked that question. But I came up in the... Um, I'm here, bro. The, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, right. We, we came up in our space when we had Sam. You know how we said we got him and it, it is going to come up in court? It came up in court. Did, yeah. you, find, did you know? Did I tell you? I did. Yeah, you I, saw I, it? I did. I did. I did. I did. I didn't read it yet. What does it say? Who asked really the question? Crazy. What was the question? Oh, you guys know. Okay. You know more than me. So, I mean, a lot of people have uh, commented about it. Yeah. You also did an interview hosted by someone named Mario Nofo. Um, do you recall that? <laughs> Sam goes, not specifically, <laughs> but I'm not saying I didn't. <laughs> okay. That's, that's cool. Sam, go do this to me. Isn't it? So we seem so so soon then walk through the timeline until December 1st, Twitter space in question. We seem to jog Sam's memory a bit. Isn't it true? Yes or no, that you stated on this podcast that you were not involved at all in Alameda trading. Yeah, he fucked up with that one. That you were not involved at all in Alameda trading and and hadn't been for years. Uh, And then Sam goes, I don't recall what I said. Oh, please don't invite me to this course recorded. I wasn't super involved. Then he says, from a man who sounded a lot like Bankman for back and free, I wasn't super involved in Alameda. I was not involved at all in the trading. So that's what he said in our space. Let me see. That's what he said. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was not involved at all in the trading. I hadn't been for years. I was intentionally not getting involved in it because I was concerned about the conflict of interest after shutting off the tape. So they played the tape. That's your voice, Sam, isn't it? Correct. He's like, it sounds like it. So that's the quote they got him on. I wasn't super involved in Alameda. And then uh, they, they, then it continues why that got him into trouble. But I haven't, I'll read it after the space. But yeah, I mean, man. I, 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 I mean, it's, 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 I, mean it's, I think it's great. But I mean, like, is that something that can incriminate him, what he said on a public podcast? I mean, he's not under, he's not under oath when he's on the podcast. He can say whatever he wants. I mean, he could say he was um, know, whatever. I, I, no man, I, think I, I, it hun, hun, I mean, I mean, yes, yes. Yeah, also, the Sorkin interview. Yeah, I mean, it, it, whether it's a, it is or not, I mean, it's very damning, and I think it reinforces other things they're saying. I, they basically used everything that he said on that like two week road show, where Sam decided he was going to clean up his image by not listening to his lawyers. <laughs> uh, aggressively that was going the weirdest road show. I mean, what a what an absolute dumbass. I mean, that was the weirdest. I, uh, I really, I, as a, you know, I was quite skeptical as to whether or not he's going to get j- jail time. I've been following Inner City Press um, with, uh, you know, every, every day he publishes these amazing, amazing updates. And I mean, if if Sam doesn't get 40 years plus, then the US justice system is completely broken. I think you had skepticism about the U.S. justice system that maybe is slowly being erased, Rand. I mean, is that correct? Because like from day one, even me as an American, I was like, this dude is done. Like he's going away for a very, very long time. And I think a lot of people not in the U.S. fairly 
looked at what happens here with sort of regulation and legislation and how broken things are. And I, I think they sort of extrapolated that and assumed that that also meant the justice system was broken. But we've seen the justice system just dunk on, well, the right. SEC for one and certainly on him. So I, I think that, uh, you know, it was fair skepticism. But at this point, man, it would be pretty absurd, as you said, for him not to get absolutely buried under the... Yeah, and and apparently the judge, from what I'm getting, from what I'm gathering, the judge the judge hasn't been very friendly to to SBF. I think the judge has had enough of SBF's bullshit and not being able to answer questions and, and stuff like that. What did they say? He said, "I don't know," or something to that effect, like 150 or 175 <laughs> times of the day. No, I mean let's just let's just recap. Here. I mean, is, was Sam is Sam Bankman Fried a genius, or is he? I mean, uh, you know, like we all thought he was a genius and he did actually manage to build something that was quite incredible. It was quite highly used. Uh, how do we feel today? Is, is, the man, is, he, is he a genius or is he just pathological? Um, both. Know, what, uh, yeah, pathological. I think both. I think a genius, What's a, yeah, a genius at certain things and uh, an absolute ignoramus. No, 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 there was, no, there was a term that, you, that, that what's his name? Um, uh, who's the other gentleman that came, who covers him really closely? And he's the one that came on our space last time. I'm really bad with names. He came on our space last time because he was in jail himself for the hedge fund uh, shenanigans he did. And Shkreli, uh, uh, he, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Matthew Shkreli, Matthew Shkreli, yeah, yeah. So Matthew Shkreli used a term. I'm sure you guys will remember it. He used a term to describe him. When someone, when someone lives, when someone's, is in that mindset where they think they're above the law when they think that like he genuinely thinks he didn't do anything wrong and and he feels yeah, untouchable but yeah narcissism yeah. but he used another term i can't remember what it was so i think he's extremely intelligent but really got to his head like if anything crypto got to all of our heads if you think just think of yourself today you know back to earth you know realistic etc try to remember the days when the market was pumping you're throwing money around you know we we most people in crypto thought they were untouchable and if you put sam and the and and the, the, the achievements he's had, the amount of money he's made, ethically or not, um, he 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 was at a different level. All the, the politicians he paid off, etc. So, um, but the, the question I have when I go to the markets and, and Matthew, I want to ask you one more question if you don't mind. Um, can't remember who mentioned this. Maybe it was on our space that when when Sam does go to jail, um, if and when he goes to jail. Uh, that would be a positive for the market. Like the market hasn't really priced in like a complete cleanup. Right now, we still have the shadow of Sam above us. Everyone still talks about him. FTX is still there. But when he goes to jail, it's like that chapter is closed. Yeah, Could that mean anything? I, I don't think that matters. Yeah. But I did have a question maybe for Tom, like about these FTX um, sure. Solana holdings, which is it seems like the FTX 2.0 reboot is – a legitimate possibility and that creditors might have to log into like the new FTX in order to, to claim their assets. And, you know, that, that might result in a lot of these assets being left uh, on the new platform. What, what's the probability of that? You know, it depends on what the, what the bids are and the probability is getting better and better. Um, if we're in like a wave right now. Uh, so I think it's possible. I, you know, ha haven't really underwritten. I think early on we were pretty skeptical of that as a possibility, but um, it does appear like it's a possibility. I think that, uh, you know, they have a deal with Galaxy to manage the estate. You have to go and really look at uh, how that deal works. Um, but yeah, 2.0, if, if the, the way, I guess I should say, they can basically structure it any way they want. So if a bidder says, I want this, I want that, I'm going to pump in $250 million dollars, and I'm going to give my credibility, my licenses to reboot this thing. They could do that. They, so that so so the debtor has a lot of flexibility um, to try to maximize value for creditors. So so Matthew to and John Ray the Third likes the idea, right? Yeah, I think. But why would they like it now that Why would they like it now that they can make everyone whole theoretically with uh, these investments? I mean, uh, I thought the premise of FTX 2.0 was to maximize recovery for creditors. If it's going to be 100% recovery, well, potentially, why do they even need so to It's all about the power, right? right? They want to be able to hire the new execs and, and capture some of the value and have a say in what in what happens. I will I will warn you. So, like, I, I would say we're talking about 100% recovery, but we're really just talking about customers. There are other silos that are kind of left out in the cold. There's a lot of creditors, like general secured creditors, trade creditors left out in the cold. And even if you think of the equity holders of like people that participated or, you know, like company that was bought, like I think Blockfolio was bought by, by FTX and it was paid for in stock. Uh, hold on. I gotta, I gotta put money in the meter guys. 
Um, I, I mean, I, I think that the, the not only is, is uh, are the creditors going to be made whole, but I also think that, that it's almost inevitable that the exchange, that we are going to get an FTX 2.0. I mean, it, it, from what I understand, the discussions are actually going to, are quite far down the line that there is actually going to be a, re- a reboot of this exchange. My question is what happens to the token holders? Because the, the token does crazy things. You often see the token like spiking in a day. And I wonder if token holders actually really believe that they're going to reboot up the exchange with the same, I use the word obligation because, you know, there's no real obligation to token holders, but I, like, the token holders seem to be quite um, um, optimistic about it. I think, I think you're, because the recoveries are so high, you are looking at potentially a little bit of a battle royale between like how the stuff is calculated. I mean, under the bankruptcy code, everything's dollarized at the petition date, and that's hard to get around. But you do have equitable arguments for why you shouldn't get the uplift. So if I'm a big, if I say I have all ETH, and now ETH from petition date to now has gone up a lot, and I'm 100% repay based on dollar dollarized petition date value of Ethereum, I'm like, well, that's kind of shit. Like I should be getting like the uplift in value. So you are going to have different factions and creditor groups like pop out of the woodwork and potentially like stake claim to the to higher recoveries. And, you know, guys, you do have a, like a lot. I mean, like like the Voyager estate is going to have a pretty sizable claim against Sam. I mean, Sam offered to buy Voyager for, uh, what is it, 72 cents on the, on the dollar. And then I think the recoveries are now in the 50s. Well, that delta is a, is a breach of contract claim. Now it's subordinated. The recovery last I checked was 30, 30, 36%. Yeah, whatever it is. Okay, it's 30. So, I mean, think about that. You know, think of what the delta is. That's that's your damages right there. So, like, they might not get first first cut at the assets, but if it's 100% repay plus based on dollarized petition date, that, like, crypto values, those creditors are going to start showing up in court and be like, hey, your honor, uh, we, we you guys can cut us a check as well. So, I, I think 2.0... Is interesting, and, and anybody that makes an offer can slice and dice up the estate any way they think they want that they can get past the debtor and get the. It's also important to get the support of the UCC and the ad hoc. So I haven't really 2.0. I haven't really gotten a lot of feedback from the UCC and the ad hoc on what they'd like to see, but it seems increasingly likely. Like it's it's in it's in the cards. It's 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 become a a possibility to a probability. I think. Would you put your money on FTX 2.0? Would you use it? Would you trade on it? I would with the right operator. You know, I don't see why you wouldn't. I mean, companies go through restructuring all the time. Let's I mean, see those audited financials. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if they put, let, let's say they put in Brian Armstrong. So let's agree that Brian Armstrong is one of the best operators in the world. So I'm just using him as an extreme and say, let's say they put in Brian Armstrong and they said Brian Armstrong is now in charge of this FTX exchange. Would you then? Uh, would you then uh, put your money back on the exchange? Myself, yeah. I don't see. I, I don't. I wouldn't see Brian Armstrong is like crypto gold. I don't see why you wouldn't. You know, if a Kraken or a Coinbase showed up and did like an SPV structure, so they're gonna ring fence it. They're gonna say we're gonna put up five hundred million. We're gonna run the exchange. We're gonna port our licenses. And we're gonna run this. I don't see why people wouldn't get behind that. I mean, it would come down to what the custody solution is, right? Uh, so as a, as a New York-based market participant at the moment, uh, I'm only holding my coins uh, with qualified custodians. You know, that would mean Coinbase, Gemini, Anchorage. FTX never got New York DFS approval. There were multiple provisions of uh, BitLicense that they definitely couldn't satisfy, including the reporting of off-balance sheet liabilities. Um, and... You know, that's going to be the determining factor. But I, I want to mention one piece of news yesterday that might have gone under the radar and maybe contributing to some of this strength is the GAO, the GAO uh, ruling that SAB 121 was improperly implemented by the SEC. SAB 121 is the accounting rule that forces publicly yeah, traded serious. companies like Coinbase to. But what's that? I'm saying this is serious. This is yeah, like, it's totally it's serious, right? So State Street and Bank of New York could be back in the business of custody and crypto uh, if this rule is um, is taken off the books, which it looks increasingly probable. This is the rule where they had to have a dollar to match every crypto asset that was uh, that was custody. Yeah, they report the the asset and corresponding liability on the balance sheet. I think this is very positive for Coinbase's cost of capital. I didn't even see that. You're right, but completely unnoticed, and that's absolutely huge. Rand, did you have something else to say there? Sorry. No, I mean, I just, I, I did, I did read it. I did read about it, and it is, it is quite a, quite, a, quite a serious thing. 
Um, I mean, I'd love to hear from, I don't know if you can get a poll going on Twitter spaces, but I'd love to listen to, to the, I mean, we've got 4,000 or 5,000 people on this space. I'd love to understand how many people here would actually put their money back onto F- FTX. At the time, a lot of people said it was their best user experience. I mean, I didn't find it a very good user experience, but I mean, yeah, I think dif- different strokes for different folks. I don't want to see it rebranded. I, I mean, still, listen, I, I understand it's a different company and different whatever, but I think there's no three letters more damaging to the perception of crypto worldwide than FTX. So the, the notion of relaunching something that's still called FTX to me just feels like shooting yourself in the foot if you're looking for success. Yeah, I'm just going through the comments here. Uh, anyone that wants to put a comment just from the audience, uh, just check it in the bottom right corner. All of you guys are just messaging about Seoul. The community is massive. We're not even talking about Seoul. I can't even imagine the 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 the, the comments you'd have they yesterday. All know, the they all know. They all know about the Solana DevCon. Man, man, man. And I also said on my on my thing, I saw that were, there were a whole lot of Seoul Solana shorts building up this morning. I saw the funding rate go ridiculously negative. And then I saw a lot of people opening shorts. I saw the open interest opening. And, you know, the thing with that is that I just think that I, I agree that Solana's had a massive pump. And I think that, you know, naturally after a pump, you can get some kind of consolidation. But, 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 this is where it gets tricky. Problem is, max pain for all these shorts would be one more wick up. And now we all of a sudden got that wick up. I think, I think Solana went up to $41. And I think yeah, now the new, new high. Yeah, new high from before the FTX. We were talking about it right before you got here, Rand. I and mean, it's a pretty big move. But yeah, that could be that last short squeeze there, right? Well, I think, yeah, max pain is, is, is with these shorts getting destroyed and this price going to 40, 46, 47, 48. I'm not making any price predictions. I'm just saying, if, you know, if the market wants to flush out the shorts, that's one way to flush out the shorts. Right now, the sentiment in, in the community is that a lot of people are now short. And the reason why they're short is they're kind of thinking, buy the rumor, sell the news. You know, we bought the, the rumor of the event and now the events happen. Now I want to sell the news. But I think uh, there's a couple of surprises. I think that, the, the, I mean, it, as a, it looks like the beginning of a surprise move upwards. How's the how's the sentiment like considering the market? Are you seeing a difference yet? Are you seeing people's attitude change? Are you seeing them get a bit more greedy? Or yes. we're still in kind of a bear market? It is having an impact, yeah? It, it is having an impact. One thing that I actually picked up at the Solana conference was that projects that have been raising money for a while have all of a sudden closed their rounds. In other words, oh, wow. managed, to fill, managed to fill their rounds. So that, like, I'm not going to mention names, so I just don't want to like, hurt any other projects, but I know one or two projects that were trying to raise for the last three or four months and struggled to raise at the valuation that they were raising at. And now over the last two days at the Solana conference, they closed their raise. Um, And I think that that's a combination of sentiment in the market and sentiment in Solana. So I think a lot of people had a lot of, um, uh, uh, a lot of people had a lot of, um, wanted to see the sentiment at the Solana conference before they made a full commitment to Solana. And then when they went to the conference, they actually realized that the heartbeat of the conference was very good. And I, I interviewed uh, Tolly, um, and he told me that more tickets were sold this year than were sold last year for Breakpoint. And remember that last year was like peak mania, you could say, before FTX went down. Um, and more tickets were actually sold for Breakpoint this year than were sold last year, which is a very, 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 very uh, promising stat. That's good to see, man. I'm so I'm I'm glad to see that sentiment changed on the ground. Yeah, and anecdotally, like uh, I think he's speaking specific to Solana, but I'm sure you guys see it too. A lot of projects that had been in touch with me over time, a lot of things that even I invested in or others invested in a year or two ago that have just not launched because they thought market conditions were bad. I'm starting to see them talking about you know, considering finally actually sort of coming out of the dark and and uh, oh, wow. launching, their, and ha- launching their projects. And the other thing you might have not seen, Mario, which I said yesterday was going to be like your wet dream. I think, I don't want to quote the number wrong, but I think A16Z said that they want to do another $3.5 billion fund or something. Did That's you see like that news? Shift. No, I meant, look, I'm, I'm in war mode. <laughs> I don't see anything right now. I don't even talk to my team. I don't know what's happening on the sales side. But and, and, uh, uh, that's, that's pretty crazy that it's just moving so quickly. Like we just had, what, when, when was the uptick? When did we much, have that massive? It, it doesn't, doesn't. It's crazy. It's, uh, which which know, kind like, of, isn't that? But isn't it? But is it? No, man. We're no, but isn't that concerning? We went from a bull back to the raging bull. Remember, you, you, you kept asking me, do I still think we're in a raging bull? And I... I toned it down and said, I think we're in a bull market, but we're not in a raging bull market. And it now feels like 
Like all of a sudden, no, but, a lot but of is this concerning? But then doesn't that mean we haven't bottomed? Like we should, uh, people should be, I thought there'd be more blood in the waters. It'll take more than just Dude, uh, uh, one big like, ass candle. Uh, like, what happened yeah, last well, time? How much, how much wrong. more, how much more blood do you want? Honestly, like uh, yeah, how exactly. much, do you, how much do you want? I mean, just, just, I just look at like, Ran, we have a lawyer, we have a lawyer on stage with an NFT profile picture, a lawyer. No, 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 yeah, but when people say like, we need to capitulate, we need poor pain, that's like when uh, people look back on their ex-girlfriend that was a complete psychopath and they hated her, and a year later they're like, yeah, but she was kind of awesome, you know? That's like looking back at, at, back at FTX a year ago and being like, it wasn't that bad, right? 2022 was the most miserable even conceivable time to be in this space with FTX, Voyager, BlockFi, Celsius, Luna, prices dropping. And now I don't you're, know you're how like, many, you're bearing like, yeah, more rounds. pain, guys. I don't know how many more rounds I could have, I could have handled. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. Like I, I, I got to a point where, you know, after Luna and then three arrows. And then I remember, I remember when FTX collapsed, I was at the Solana Breakpoint conference. And then I went from there to Token 2049 in, in London. And I remember, the, you know, I just had the wind knocked out of my cells for Luna and I'd lost a packet on Luna and, I, you know, it was, it was a very hard time for me, Luna. And then I just remember, like, you know, my, my other big bag was Solana. And I just remember the feeling. I just remember, like, what are we doing in this industry? I just remember feeling so demotivated that I didn't actually want to make the video around Token 2049 in London and be smiling and, you know, be bullish and be positive and, and whatever else. And... um I mean, I just, I just, I, I think back on that feeling of how bad I actually felt when it happened, and it's, oof, you can't Ran, tell me if that wasn't that check. Ran, I just went to check. So now, I guess it was probably a year and three or four months. It was at consensus that you and I sat down, and I interviewed you for the podcast. Actually, one of the most uh, watched and listened to podcasts I've ever made. It was right after Luna, and you kind of opened up for the first time about your losses there, your feeling, exactly what you described, and that was before FTX, right? So I just think when people look back and talk about the amount of pain, I I'm looking at it right now. Ren Nooner, losing over $100 million with Luna helped me reevaluate my life. That was the title of the podcast, which was last summer, right? And so I, I think for people who say there needs to be more pain or another drop, don't remember that there's people who are the most bullish people carrying this industry on their backs like Rand who are ready to quit. Um, uh, you know what, Scott? I think that anyone, I think that there's, there's, there's like two camps of people. One is the camp of people that has, didn't, didn't get affected. And there are some people that didn't get affected. They didn't have money on Celsius. They didn't have money on Voyager. They didn't have money on BlockFi. They didn't have money in Solana. They didn't have money on FTX. They didn't have money on Luna. And then, you know, you get another camp of people who were, you know, all in on, on, on some of these protocols. When I say all in, obviously not, I don't mean hundred percent, but you know what I mean? In, in, in mind, they were all in and had all their stables on places like, like, like Celsius, or maybe even had all their, their Bitcoin on places like Celsius. And I mean, I don't know, when you speak to those guys, a lot of them still haven't come to, to terms with the fact that they may not see their money again, or they may not see a big part of their money again. So I don't know, to say that we haven't had Max Payne, Mario, I don't know where, you know, maybe, Maybe you just have a different perspective, but I, I can't. I can't even. No, I thought. No, no, I thought. I thought. I thought we had Max Payne until I saw the market recover and the sentiment changed so quickly. But eventually. But no, you can't up, say it too quickly. But yeah, you can't. You can't say. Yeah. No, it goes up. Yeah, I was gonna say it goes up. The sentiment. Seven hundred day bear market. Seven hundred yeah, day true. bear market. I mean, seven hundred days. Yeah, and ETF. We've known about the ETF forever, and now finally we've seen the market um, give it the credit it deserves. And more, you know, more to lend more credence to the idea that the maximum pain is up. I mean, Rand, even for the people who took these massive losses, like myself, obviously, on Voyager, I mean, there's a bittersweetness to the market going up because you, you'll never, it, you, you never can avoid even mentally, no matter how much you try to detach from it, what it would have been. You know, like when, when we got our recovery from Voyager at 36%, it was really 24% because of what the assets were worth on the day that they pegged it, which is, uh, you know, a year ago, July. So the, the Bitcoin was, Bitcoin was like 20,000 when they basically set our finish line and said, that's what, what it is. So like, you know, you now, yeah, we got a 36% recovery on that day though. It was 24%. And now Bitcoin's almost doubled. 
right? And so you see like what your balance would have been if you still had these assets and it will always be painful in either direction. You know, for anyone to Rand's point who kind of experienced one of these bankruptcies, I'm so like, I couldn't be more thrilled for FTX creditors right now, but this was such an epic shit show that there's even a fighting chance, forget even 100%, that they get like a serious, serious payback. Because I can tell you, it's, it's not a great feeling to get back a quarter of your money uh, and, and then see that it's, you know, every well, day it goes 10%, 20%, 15% of what it would have been. Well, I mean, it's better. A quarter of your money is better than most people actually thought that they were going to get. A lot of people didn't think that they were going to get anything back. And, uh, you know, now they, and they have, uh, they have, um, they have a, a quarterback, which, which I think is, 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 is big. But I think Travis King was saying that the claims, are, I don't remember the exact number, but I think he was saying that the claims are actually selling now at plus 50% or 55% or something like that. Thomas, yeah, yeah that's correct. I mean, Thomas, Thomas is flipping the claims. No, I mean, we're. Yeah, I saw six. Yeah, we're probably the largest broker in the space, but we also buy on behalf of clients. And, you know, it depends on the type of claim you have, like the size and the seller and where they're located and how clean the claim is. Clean meaning like person who's selling clean, jurisdictionally clean, um, you know, just like you were buying a house, like, you know, who actually built the house and things. So all these little things go into it, but it is pushing smaller claims, pushing 40, larger claims, pushing 50, 55, um, you know, a large institutional claim. Thomas, what is the... Yeah, what is the anticipated time frame here? Like, when when you guys are looking at claims, what's the anticipated time frame? So, like, all that you know, you obviously we have our, you're obviously discounting yeah. the, the claims at a, at a, to, at a, to a certain period of time, right? Correct. So, just wondering what what the time frame is. So, um, we have our own model, right? And then every client that we might broker stuff to has their own model and you know a whole team of analysts that all went to like you know wharton and whatever and they think their model is better than yours but uh basically most people are anticipating either mid or late late next year uh a first distribution of call it some guys are modeling in like 10 15 cents some guys are modeling in like 30 cents 35 cents so call it a year from now 20 30 cents Another year after that, maybe 20, 30 cents. And another year after that, maybe another 20, 30 cents, depending upon whose model you're looking at. So it's kind of like uh, maybe three, three, four year payback of 80% plus is kind of like where everybody's models come down. Um, so if you put that into IRR calculation, I'd have to do the math, but roughly most of big distress firms underwrite to like a five year double, um, 15 to 20% type of IRRs. Um, so they can return to their LPs, like, you know, net of their fees, like in the mid teens, the low teens, um, you know, institutional size capital bases, people with billions of dollars are putting to work, um, trying to make, I mean, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I'm an, I'm an investor in a fund. Uh, I think I can probably search publicly. I mean, I'm an investor in multi-coins fund uh-huh. and you know, multi-coin had a lot of, a big part of their treasury yeah, on, big on FTX, I think. Big claim. So, I mean, that, that's great news for people who are part mm-hmm. of these funds. Um, yeah, very, very good. The, I, mean, I mean, yeah, he even said it was great news for Voyager. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, well, I mean, a multi-coin and some of the other guys, I mean, multi-coin was, had a decently close relationship, it would seem, with Sam or with the Solana ecosystem. So this is, you know, the Solana ecosystem stuff is great for multi-coin. I don't think they'll, you know, I'd like to think that there's never going to be any connections between actual SPF and, 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 and multi-coin. I don't think there's anything there, but it is things to worry about. It would it would probably affect the pricing of what their claim would move at because of the deep and sort of rich connections that uh, Solana had and multi-coin had and, and, and FTX. But, you know, there's no reason that, you know, I haven't actually seen their claim or anything like that. But, you know, the big institutional claims are selling in the 50s. Yeah, easily. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I actually remember when I tweeted before the exchange went down. Um, so I got a message via the grapevine that, you know, uh, Sam was going to sue me for causing the bank run. And I must be honest that, you know, I, I had the information that I had when I tweeted. I said, withdraw all your funds from FTX now. This is financial advice. And the tweet went completely viral. <laughs> and a lot of people who, who were stakeholders in one way or another, actually contacted me and threatened me. Um, Multicoin contacted me too, and they said, you know, delete your tweet. What the hell are you doing? You know, like, what are you doing? And I said, look, I have the information, and I'd rather be safe than sorry. Um, 
And I, I mean, I think, I think that, that tweet went completely viral. I think a lot of people actually took their money off FTX. But I always had this thought in the back of my mind that if, if, if SPF does survive this, he's coming after me. And, you know, if, if he was going to come after me, he was obviously going to be much richer than I was going to be. And, um, you know, the, the, one, the one lesson in life is you never go to court with someone who's much richer than you because they'll just beat you up on the legal costs. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you know, it's a little, a little bit of a silver lining. At least he didn't come after me. Uh, I mean... I would, have hired, I, would have hired, I would have hired David Silver, though, to protect me. That would have been fine. I would have represented you pro bono, free of charge. <laughs> how how, how about David charges us per hour just to let his icon be on avatar be on stage? It's crazy. How how, bono, how, how viral, Ryan, How viral? How viral did your tweet go? Very. I'm very, very, very viral. I don't remember the numbers. I had the press contacting me, asking me what I knew at the time. Um, I had a uh, multi-coin capital who I'm an investor. What in. what did you what did you know, Ren? Well, first I saw the balance sheet. Then I got a whole lot of informants that, that explained to me that they were going to get liquidated at 22. And then uh, by that time, kind of like, I would say that 48 hours before FTX went down, I kind of knew, I knew that there was a massive, massive, massive hole. I just didn't know the extent of the hole. And that's when I had, I mean, look, let's just be clear here. I was a massive investor in Solana and the Solana ecosystem. And... You know, tweeting that tweet, I knew when I tweeted that tweet that it would smash my investments if I, if it was right. At the same time, I didn't want to sell. I didn't want to sell my. I didn't want to sell my investments because if it was wrong, then you know I would have been throwing away bad, uh, good tokens, which which is you know I'm now vindicated that I held on to most of my investments and most of them now are, are are above water. But I mean, I think that 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 tweet probably saved couple of hundred thousand people probably saved their money because yeah you can I mean, I'm not, it above yeah i mean i don't want to say that i want to say that i caused the bank run because i didn't uh but i think that that tweet really added a lot of it was one of those tweets that just went crazy mental and you know, people started phoning me and saying what do you know um yeah i mean as i say i got the message that uh when this whole thing's over stan's gonna sue me for causing it for causing the bank run I'm, I'm still waiting. Um, it was an interesting. We'll make a whole team of lawyers <laughs> protect you. <laughs> but you know what's interesting is so like the estate and the pref settlement, the preference settlement or clawback settlement, they basically use the CoinDesk article as the line in the sand. But if the CoinDesk reporter had that balance sheet, and I will not name names because I do not have a bone in this, there were clearly some other counterparties out there in the market that had that Alameda balance sheet, right? So. There are going to be some people out there that had a little bit of, you know, we'll call it fancy information on the market and probably could have been either hedging or protecting their own balance sheet, which, you know, market participants do. Um, but uh, that's super interesting. Yeah. In, in hindsight, to hear about all this stuff and like what went down before. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're safe now. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm still. You know, when, when he's done, I mean, when he's done, look, we never got along. We never got along. Uh, FTX was one of the exchanges, one of the only exchanges we never ever worked with, actually, um, because I just felt that, you know, he be, I knew Sam when he started when he started FTX, and I just think he became too arrogant too quickly. So you know, it's, we just never got along, and so we didn't end up working him. But I thank my lucky stars because you know saved the whole community. Yeah. Your thoughts then, uh, then, then, Ryan. Your thoughts on Binance? Um, I like Binance. Yeah, you're, you're the, you're the, 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 whatever they call this thing that tells the future. So you're the Oracle. You're that. Oracle. You're I'm the Oracle. Oracle. Now, see, like he broke up right when you asked him the hard question. Yeah, exactly. Like, why? What happened to the Oracle? What happened to the Oracle that saved all these people money at FTS? It's a joke, by the way, guys. I, if I had to guess, like, I wouldn't even compare the two. So I'm just messing around with Ryan. No, it's full disclaimer. Come on. Come on, uh, you, you can't compare Binance to FTX. Although I must say, my one concern is, you know, that if the authorities want to put you behind bars, they'll find a reason to do it. And I think that if you remember Binance's business in 2017 and you remember the altcoin business in 2017, none of the exchanges could handle the influx of new customers. And, you know, KYC wasn't really a thing. KYC was something that was done in most exchanges after the fact. Um, and so... I just fear that, I think, I think, you know, with enough pressure, they could do what they want to do. 
No, I don't think so. I wouldn't go that far. You got to get that some trust in the in the legal system. I think they'll they'll they've done most of what they want to do. They've they've broke they've they've reduced the market the market share of Binance uh, of BUSD. So they, they've they, so just the incumbents can come in. We're going to see that over the next few months. Um, so I think they've they've achieved most of that one that what they want to achieve. Um, and I wouldn't. Um, yeah, I, I don't think is uh, is going to be much. You know, I think people are overreacting in how how bad it will be. Uh, that's my two cents. I keep saying with Binance, the longer that this thing goes on for, that nothing actually happens, yeah. the better. Yeah. Because, you know, the other exchanges are getting stronger. The, the one central point of failure in the industry is slowly, slowly, you know, we're becoming as an industry more diversified, which is, uh, which is a good, healthy sign for any industry. Not, not that I wish bad on CZ or anyone at Binance, but I just think that it's, it's healthy for any industry to decentralize itself from one single point of failure. And uh, so this is great. Yeah, I think we've seen all the hit pieces we could see about Binance. I'm sure there's going to be more to come, but we've kind of become immune to it. Remember, before whenever a hit piece came, everyone's like, holy shit, there's a hit piece on Binance. Now they come and they go and we don't even mention them in the space. So I think the the, the, the people have really priced in all that fear and, um, and they've, they've moved on as well. It's usually the same sources. It's usually the Wall Street Journal or I think it's the New York Times or you know one of those. Mm. It's usually the same sources. <laughs> Can I ask a question, Mario and Rand? Like y'all are y'all are better in the space and the crypto space than I am, and more in the bankruptcy space. But like Binance, like the cause of action that these states have, or I should say, the FTX state has against them. Like, are they do they have the kind of money to pay off like a two billion dollar uh, cause of action to unwind that transaction? Look, first of all, they may. First of all, the chances of the clawback are very, 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 very small. Because I think the clawback is only done in, I'd say, exceptional circumstances where people really benefited from inside information or inside knowledge. I think clawbacks in the, in the ordinary course of, of business become a lot harder. Two, I'd imagine that Binance has assets worth over $2 billion. Um, You know, Binance has been a highly profitable business for a long period of time. Three, if they are required to raise capital, I believe that Binance is worth enough money to go out into the market and raise $2 billion if they need to, or the shortfall of the $2 billion. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, for those reasons, I'm not really worried about a clawback, I'll be honest. I mean, maybe the lawyers here want to chime in. David? You know, I, the only thing I would caution is that the government has the ability to go back in time. And I've said this for a while. Binance circa 2018, 2019, 2020 was very different than Binance today. Um, and I think the allegations are going to be more historical than present. And that could still potentially be a problem. Um, I do think if they have cleaned up and they're working with and what Rand said, the, I, I agree with what Rand said, but for a different reason. The longer this takes, the more likely it is the government is working with them. I don't think they're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. If all the problems were early on and all of the KYC and all of the stuff, if Binance turns everything over and is working with them, they call it like a honey deal. You know, if they do all of that, then the longer this takes could be because They've given over all the documents. They've given over all the information and everything they're fighting about publicly, privately, they're doing. Um, I do think there's something left from the early days that the government's going to be able to clean up. I don't think that what we're going to see is the accounting issues, the thievery in 2022, 2023 that we've seen with some other people in the space. Or I'd like to hope so. But what would be the repercussions of something that was back in 2017, 2018? Does it make a difference if it's that, that long ago? The biggest difference would be they can basically let Binance live and let CZ take the fall, not go to jail, but have someone else come in and replace him um, and work to do that. So if it's all older and CZ cleaned it up while he was there, but someone has to take the hit for what happened in the older day, in the olden times, I think a lot of what we're going to see is there was a lot of KYC, AML, Patriot violation, secret court subpoena violations, and that sort of thing. CZ can take the fall, but then he can keep all of his money, he can keep all of his equity, and he can move forward 
without any issues. It's just going to be someone else running Binance. And the longer it takes, the more likely is Rand is right that something like that can happen with Binance if we don't see the salacious stuff that people like me always believed was going to come out from 2021, 2022, 2023. Um, and then all the finger pointing at CZ, he wasn't doing as he wasn't doing necessarily, let's call it evil things with other people's money as recently as last year. Dave, how, how worried are you about these Hamas funding allegations and, and specifically around the, was it the SEC case where they, where they quoted certain members of staff and there was a specific mention to Hamas? Like how, how concerned are you that that's real? I think that Hamas definitely used some crypto financing. I think they used the U.S. dollar to a exponential value more. So I don't think that I think the people who want to say there was funding and then they throw out a number like I know all the numbers were retracted, but let's just say it was 10 million instead of 100 million. Who gives a shit? They stole a lot. They they steal. They got they got a lot more money through USD. The numbers, even though it's 10 million was nothing for what was done here, 100 million was nothing for what was done here. I think people are just using the argument who don't understand the argument. Um, in reality, I don't think it was. Was some crypto used to fund terrorism? Absolutely. Was some money used from Goldman Sachs to fund terrorism? A hell of a lot more. Um, the gold standards are going to pay the fines and eventually crypto will be I don't want to say the gold standard of equivalent of Goldman Sachs, but you get my point that, yeah, a little terrorist funding is coming through crypto. Most of it's still coming through the U.S. dollar. I agree with what you said. Hey, guys, you think we, uh, we, we did it? Yeah, yeah, we, we did what? As in we wrap? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did. What does we did it, guys? We did it. It's like, I don't I know what won. you did. I mean, David <laughs> just said that we won. We're the gold standard. We're like Goldman Sachs. Do you remember when, uh, by the way, just a side note, do you remember when SBF, uh, like with a straight face, said that he thought one day he could buy Goldman Sachs? Do you remember that? Um, I don't, but did, did, uh, did Sam. That? If Sam came to you and said uh, back then when, 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 you know, when whatever's happening was happening, if he said to you, hey, you know, would, would you, did you talk to him about doing an interview with him? I had dude. I had him on so many times. No, no, after the shit uh, hit the fan. No, I want nothing to do with that. No. <laughs> you want to do, do an interview? I no. This no. is typical Scott. <laughs> you actually, when you, 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 uh, when you did your spaces with him, you invited me to join, I, I think. And I was like, nah, bro. Oh. Okay. Uh, you know. Well, you missed out. You could be on the court papers with me today. We'll be we'll be court paper buddies, all three of us, me, you, and Ryan. Yeah. So it's just I'm, me and Ryan. I, I'm just going to go ahead and view not having my name in any court papers, favorable or negative, as a win. Okay, bro. All right, Matthew, we can wrap. Thanks, everyone. Perfect. Thanks, guys.